0: Talking Industry topical debate from the world of engineering, automation and manufacturing. A DFA manufacturing media production. This Talking Industry edition is sponsored by Driving Controls Exhibition, the number 1 event for automation, power transmission and motion control, taking place 4th to the 6th of June 2024 at the NEC Birmingham in association with Manufacturing and Engineering Week. Drive the Future at www drives-expo.com
1: in terms of um investment in new machinery i mean in the the uk is often cited as a uh classic example of where we tend to make do with older equipment and we tend to be quite proud of um making do with older equipment actually you know i, I, I remember running my ford angler into the ground and it was 35 when i when I finally parted with it. But but in other countries, the cultures are rather different and they're very proud of the new equipment. So we have quite a major issue with, with solving problems on legacy equipment, don't we? So how easy is that now to extend the life of legacy equipment by getting meaningful data out of it? It's now really simple. There are lots of
2: different off-the-shelf sensors you know, that you don't need to drill into a pipe and then to fit different gauges and electronic gauges, you can put a clamp sensor onto it and it will read the flow. So, the legacy equipment now with magnetic um, sensors that you can put onto the side of a motor, um, it's really easy. And there's a lot of simple software now that will take that data and just turn it into a nice, simple visual dashboard. Um, a few hundred pounds per sensor, a um, few hundred pounds for the software. Um, you know, start with your critical equipment, pick your key, the most critical equipment, start with one or two pieces of machinery. Um, But it's really easy now to start building and then you need people to look at that data, but you can then build those patterns of how that machine's performing. And as I said, a lot of the time, if it's well maintained, it will keep running. It's the catastrophic failures that often cause significant damage to a machine that then put it out of commission and could be out for a long time. And then you're gonna struggle to get spares. Where a lot of basic maintenance just checking on temperatures and pressures um you could keep that machine running for a long time
1: right well sanjay has uh, put a question into the chat
3: <clears throat>
1: and um, i i guess it's a curveball for you david but we'll get everybody else to comment as well and he wants to know as a customer how he can implement maintenance 4.0 in his industry And he says, is there any list of products with applications available for implementations and what would the return on investment be? Well, how long is a piece of string, I suppose, but you might have a better answer.
2: Yeah. You need to know the impact of the cost of what your runtime per machine is, the the lost time for unplanned maintenance, how long, how old your machine. I mean, it is a, a real broad question that, but I mean, it depends how long your machine, how old it is, how easy it is to get spares. Have you got spares on the shelf? If you haven't, how easy is it to get those spares? Um, and again, those, these unplanned events are the ones that really cost you a lot of time. How long will that machine be down? Then works out how much disruption to your manufacturing. Have you got to put additional overtime on to catch back up? Are you going to lose customers and upset customers? Have you got penalties for being late? Um, you know, There's cost penalties for being late introducing industry 4.0 is is relatively easy you just need to understand the benefit and we're back to that leadership understanding that they the the value proposition for doing this sort of thing and and consistent production is one of the key things you don't want unplanned failures but there's so much um a list of things there's, there's loads of companies and i'm sure richard would be quite happy to put a list on of uh products <laughs> that but there's lots of companies now producing you know, sensors that are really easy to install, easy to gather the information with software that supports it, that you can then visualize that. And it's, you know, for several machines, a few thousand pounds. Well, how much, is it, how much do you lose for one machine being down per hour? And you roughly, you can calculate what a machine run rate is, it might be 508 pound an hour run rate of a machine, depending on what product it's making. So it doesn't take long that if you can save a few hours of unplanned downtime, um, your system's paid for itself. You know, in, in saving one breakdown.
4: We, we we've just completed some research in, in partnership with the um, with the IMACI based on seven hundred um, uh, returns from uh, engineers within the UK, uh, and 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 we we asked about the average cost of downtime and the amount of, of unplanned downtime. Uh, that's experienced so uh, and and that came back with the average unplanned downtime was 20 hours a week uh, and the average cost of downtime was £5,000 an hour Uh, my background's in food and bed £5,000 seemed not you know not unreasonable Um, so you know that's £100,000 a week or £5 million a year that that you're losing for unplanned downtime and and if you're operating a margin of, uh, of 10% uh, you know, return on on sales. Uh, you know, you've got to make fifty million pounds worth of incremental sales to to recover the lost impact of that of that downtime. Um, and and if you're talking as as David is about spending, you know, several thousand pounds on on a sensor, you know, if you could just cut that by one percent, uh, you know, suddenly the return on the investment starts to look, you know, pretty pretty eye watering.
1: Um, that, that's a staggering figure richard isn't it i mean because that's you're talking five million pounds for one company yeah so yeah understood. You know, exactly. you've you've looked at 700 companies so if that's the average yeah 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 my, I mean, um,
4: my, my my colleague john will stick it in the chat uh link to the to the research whilst we're uh, yeah
1: i I mean that's really valuable because uh you know if, if ever you needed an incentive to get uh to get involved to a greater degree that's that's got to be it and uh, yeah. And it actually answers a question that appeared in the chat, which is what is the total national cost of unplanned downtime? Well, yeah, yeah. You're, you're at least part of the way there to to being able to answer that question, and it's absolutely horrendous, isn't it? Uh, it,
4: it is. I mean, you know, back to you know, how do you start with this stuff? Our, our tagline is, is start simple, grow smart. Within within my team, um, and. You know, someone's, someone's put in the importance of starting with criticality. Everything in asset management starts with criticality. Find the machine or the process that causes you the most pain. Uh, our, our first ever deployment was in a food factory and it was on a wastewater treatment plant because the site GM was getting fed up with being, a, with being spanked by the environment agency uh, about non-compliance issues. So, you know, that was the biggest, most critical asset. Uh, and for under 10 thousand pounds we we were able to get the the live data to allow him to to bring that process back in back in control um so um so yeah that, that's you know that, that's the way to approach it criticality start with critical assets uh, and then just start small and, and grow don't don't get wrapped up in some global digital transformation because you'll never deliver any value
1: Brilliant. Um, there is a comment as well in the chat that's just appeared, and actually the chats having a good conversation with each other, which I always I always like. Um, that says uh, five thousand pounds loss in downtime amounts to thirty seconds in a car plant. So <laughs> I mean, you, you so can calculate once you start understanding your machine runtime, but you really just need
2: every business is different. You need to understand the impact of the which machine or which machines the knock on effects. But beyond the value, you're even looking at your your brand reputation with your customers. If you're missing delivery dates repeatedly for unplanned downtime, your reputation is is falling with your customers and winning new work. Now, that's not necessarily measurable, easily measurable, but it's quite significant in the damage that it can have if you're not meeting your delivery schedules. Um, Because winning new work is another element. So beyond the additional
1: the additional cost of sort of downtime is, is the wider aspects. Um, John, you, you've been sitting there while our industrialists have been Mm.
3: chatting away, but what's your experience? I think from my side, we first need to decide what value are we trying to create? Now in the kind of examples provided, I think we've been thinking about machines that are constantly in need to be operational. Um, But this debate, I think, in terms of how do we trade off between corrective maintenance, preventative maintenance, coming back to, I think, what Richard was also talking about with reliability, we need to base our thinking in terms of what is the optimised way to create value from maintenance. I think it has to sit at that level, and in that process, you're trying to decide how much supply side activity you're going to need supply side meaning the resources that you're consuming spare parts people facilities all those kind of things need to be optimized and i think coming back to the discussion on roi with return on investment we really need to think about how much investment are we making in invest in maintenance and what sort of benefit are we going to get in terms of the value that we're creating so In some situations, and not very often, sometimes having corrective maintenance where you're responding to failure might be the only way that you can deal with it. And it's not often, but what I'm trying to allude allude to is we need to have that strategic planning process for what type of maintenance is needed and what type of scenarios. What about?
1: I mean, you're clearly you're going to need to create some sort of business plan, as as David said, is which is critical, which is specific to any particular organization. But is there a template available that people could work with, or should they come to you, David, or to you, Richard, or to you, John? And I think they and need say, to speak to us. Yeah, I think they
2: need to. Every every business is so different that. Yeah. it's too it's too generalist to put it out the key as richard said is and, and we look what's your critical equipment what's the sort of thing that's really going to damage your production if it's not running so you start looking at the critical items um, the high value items that are, are, are really going to damage your production and have the biggest knock-on effect um and and really start there and and even if it's two or three pieces of equipment to start with you'll really start to gather that information um and that's the first thing, really, start getting some information in to see how these machines are running. But it's using the data as well. It's not we're all talking here about um, maintenance. But you can start looking at the effects of the data that you gather is usable throughout the business. So when you're looking at the machines running and what, what they're consuming from from power, you can also look at utilisation. Is it actually how often is it actually running? So you can start to gather information from that. You can put part counts and downtime codes against it. The operators can fill in if the machine stops. So you start to build in some um, downtime analysis. You can start building in a bit of a basic OEE. Now you've taken your maintenance data and added to it that you're actually starting to get some really usable information to build that business case for why you should be repairing this machine or why you should be rolling out to other equipment because you're really starting to see the effects. You could look at air pressures and temperatures does that have a detrimental effect on the quality of the products that you make um, and that information that you can add builds that bigger picture to really start to understand the value of maintaining your equipment and um, working within certain parameters to control the quality of the product using the data that you're getting.
1: So the more use you make of your data, the better return you get on it. And, and that will be a big, big aspect, I'm sure, of what John is going to talk about in a minute and all the different ways of uh, collecting, gathering, utilising data and, and what you can do with it, including some of the advanced methods. Um, I, before we move on, I, I think it would be a good time just to mention um, some a couple of posts from Magdy, um, who says, um, first of all, just mentions a comment from the first part, of, which, which is that he, he or she believes that fear and a shortage of educated leaders can be attributed as reasons for certain challenges. And I think we we agree with that, um, but makes the point, which is important, that after the pandemic, there has been a noticeable increase in the adoption of predictive maintenance practices and the implementation of IoT technologies. So the pandemic, in effect, was a driver. Um, and then goes on to say in a further post that they have installed um, prior to the pandemic, vibration sensors on 20 machines using IoT technology. So that that pretty much backs up your your point, David, about um, the the ease with which this can be done on, on legacy. And this implementation brought significant benefits as it allowed us to remotely monitor vibrations and detect critical conditions. Our leaders were delighted with the solution as it eliminated the need to send engineers on site, which is another important thing. Uh, unless a critical condition was identified through our vibration remote monitoring system, so that's a that's a really good case study and um, and justification for for what we're all promoting, I think in this presentation. But has it been your experience that the pandemic was a driver in greater utilization? Um, well, John's nodding, so I'll go to him first, and uh, and then come, yeah. come to the I mean, uh, other.
3: I think what the pandemic has done is really escalate the digitalization processes. It's pushed companies to be more flexible, more open for working remotely, for sort of collaborating as well. Um, And I think it's really positive that um, IoT is spreading. It's really good to see that condition-based maintenance is growing. If you look at one of the biggest challenges in maintenance is that we have A lot of uncertainty around reliability and the the, the sort of maintenance requirements over time are highly uncertain. So if we can reduce the uncertainty, it will only help to improve the way the asset's health is managed. It will also have a huge sustainability impact in terms of potentially extending the life. And getting more value out of the uh, assets that we have, so I think it's been very positive from a maintenance perspective and in terms of improving the use of digital technologies.
1: Richard, your your comments on that? I, I think it's.
4: I, I, I'm probably just going to build on, on David and John's point. Actually, I don't think I've got anything, you know additional to add. You know, Absolutely
1: great, yeah. yeah. So we're we're pretty pretty much covered there. We've got some questions coming in on. You know data risks and uh, and so on which i'll i'll defer for the time being and and ask john now to to take the conversation on in terms of the process of of getting data and how all the different technologies including advanced methods of um, what you can do with them
3: perfect thank you andy so i think before i jump into technologies i just want to set the context so In the context of maintenance we're interested in balancing supply and demand, I think that's really at the heart of this if we're doing too much maintenance. It means we're potentially harming the value that we're creating the machines or the assets are not available for use as much as they should be. Um, so what I mean with the supply and demand just to break it down demand could be things like the availability of the assets and how we're using them to create value. And supply is more on the side of making people available, making maybe spare parts available, making facilities available. So having a balance between the supply and demand is critical so that we're making this profitable, we're making this meaningful to the customer. So now if I move towards technology, technology has to enable the balance between supply and demand. If I've got too many spare parts sitting over a long duration time, I've actually invested a lot of money, which isn't maybe creating value. So how do I now have this balance between supply and demand? And that's where technology should be positioned. So if I can't build that link, I can't make that justification for the return on investment. So there's lots of really exciting activities going on in terms of technology. So if I talk about, for example, uh, I'll start with ontologies. Um, Ontologies are a way of semantically structuring data. Now, one of the things that we want to move into is maybe automation in data analytics. So in the context of condition-based maintenance, if I'm collecting all this information I need to be able to cope with the the amount of information that's coming in. So how do I now structure data? How do I actually feed the data into the models, into different stakeholders so that they can access it, view it? Ontologies could play that role in terms of structuring the content, making sure that we have the data accessible and we're, we're actually feeding this in an automated manner. I think the other thing which is exciting about machine learning is um, we've been working with numerous companies where they often say that they don't have good data they say that you know particularly in the context of legacy assets um, when you go back 10 20 30 years they're not the data isn't necessarily mature so the the potential and the, the kind of work we're looking at at the moment is, could machine learning fill data gaps? Could it actually solve messy data scenarios whereby we can still create value from the data? We can maybe improve predictability from a reliability perspective. We can improve maybe the resources that we need to align to the future activities. So machine learning could have that role so that we're improving our data analytics. We're improving our decision-making capabilities. And another area which is getting a lot of attention is digital twins. So I would say that the, the opportunity with digital twins is particularly in the context of how do we build two-way communication between let's say a physical asset and a digital environment. So let's say that the physical asset is The machine that's critical in the shop floor my digital asset is replicating that machine but it's also now trying to optimize how i'm using that machine and as it's doing that it's actually providing feedback back into the machine so it's adjusting the way the machine is being used so maybe We don't use the machine at at its full operating capacity. We reduce it, but ensure that we get to the next maintenance cycle. But in that process, we're not stopping manufacturing. We're we're sustaining the the sort of manufacturing capability. So digital twins are really exciting in terms of how do we build that communication from our models, from our predictions back into the physical assets. And I think the last area that I want to touch on is around uh, augmented reality. So the exciting thing with augmented reality is that we're making data accessible to people that need to use the data. So we're actually overlaying the data where the person needs it. So if it's a disassembly type activity or if it's an assembly type activity where maybe there's some complexity maybe it takes quite a long time to train someone or to gain the experience. In those kind of scenarios, we've experienced something of the order of 30 to 60% improvement in the time it takes to do things like diagnosis or disassembly type activities. So a potentially hugely financially advan- advantageous technology. So the key question there is how do we align data? How do we make the, the, the ability to overlay content um, in this whole process so, so that it's efficient and it's actually able to overlay the type of content that we need. So again, very exciting, lots of work to be done in that space, but it's, it's got lots of potentials as well. So this is my sort of take on it, just a few examples, but um, I'm very excited in terms of where uh, we can use digital technologies to enhance asset management.
1: A lot of those techniques are, you know, extremely advanced. I mean, how 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 quickly do you see them being rolled out um, in a practical sense? I think these center? are being
3: used already. These are not necessarily things that we're waiting for. There are many companies that are already using these. I think the question is how do we more widely use them And how do we transform the way we do maintenance across organizations, across sectors, across the nation? I think it's more the scalability question. Right. Um, We've we've got quite a relevant question that's come in.
1: And and, uh, we're going to do a bit of experimentation now. We're going to try and uh, get Magdi to speak to us. Um, A bit of fun. Ah, here we go. Um, And therefore, if Magdi can speak to us, we can go ahead. Magdi, are you there? Uh, yeah, can you can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, good. Uh, good morning, all, and uh, pleasure meeting
2: you all. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Uh, well, my question is, is uh, uh, what are the risks associated with the implementing maintenance 4.0? Uh, um, Specifically, uh, what are concerns uh, regarding the security of that data transmission? Uh, this is the main uh, question. We talked about the beneficial of implementing uh, uh, digital uh, technology. but we need, what, what are the risks? So to clarify that, uh, it would be great if you can give me more information regarding the, this question. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. John, do you want to take that first and then we'll uh, yeah. we'll um, ask the others as well?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting way to look at it. Um, I think the risks probably lie in the process of collecting data. We're becoming more and more dependent on sensors, but sensors are not always reliable. So how do we deal with that? Um, there's another aspect in terms of How do we process data? So there's a lot of concerns by many companies about machine learning being a black box approach. Um, And in that sort of context, how do you justify, how do you evaluate the recommendations coming from machine learning? There's some concerns there. Not all machine learning-based methods are black box, but there are are, some perceived risks. And I think the other thing around cybersecurity is really interesting as well in terms of building, particularly where we see cybersecurity is where there's some kind of interoperability challenge where software is not communicating to another type of software. And then there's some gaps. And then we have this interoperability issue where cybersecurity, the risk, the threat grows. But if we haven't designed cybersecurity into the system, we have a huge challenge in that it's harder to deal with um, and it's more costly to deal with. Um, but there is a huge risk in terms of cybersecurity. And I think we need to think of that. Um, but that, that, if, we, if we sort of look at the pros and cons, I personally th- see the pros a lot higher uh, if I compare it to the cons, but we need to really take adequate measures for cybersecurity sec- risks. Thank you. Uh, Richard
4: yeah i think you know
3: cybersecurity
4: is you know fantastically important our chief information security officer you know has got a range of horror stories that he can uh he can share uh about businesses that have uh you know been subjected to cyber attack through their uh industrial iot uh you know infrastructure um and and i think you know first of all is you know a lot of businesses believe that they have got security through obscurity and go you know we're not going to connect the internet because we're secure yeah the reality of a lot of those businesses when they get true audits done is actually there's a whole lot of vulnerabilities within their operational technology network that they're unaware of and 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 often having an iot strategy uh, and and bringing control can make your site more secure from a security perspective not not less because suddenly you've got governance around it. Uh, I think when you're looking at when you're looking at technology partners to work with, you know, you've got to be cognizant that security comes you know, from three things. First of all, you've got to have the right software uh, built to the right uh, best practices. And that software needs to be regularly penetration tested to make sure that you know, friendly hackers come and try and get into it. Uh, and then that identifies vulnerabilities, allowing the software vendors to, to address those vulnerabilities. You know, it's got to be secure from a hardware perspective so things like you know putting data diodes in to make sure that data can traffic can only flow flow one way Yeah, you know, monitoring traffic on the network um but, but probably most importantly of all you've got to get the procedural bit right um and and so organizations that have you know embraced and are accredited to iso 27001 you know have got you know clear ways of working to ensure that they're managing that cyber security so you know, you've got to look from a software, a hardware, and a procedural perspective to make sure that you've got the right security around that around that data, and you're not generating new attack vectors into your site.
1: I think I think the interesting point you bring out there is that the mere process of uh, of introducing digital maintenance, or I guess digital anything, forces you to focus on the cybersecurity issues, so you can get a exactly. an actual a benefit rather than a risk, which is which is a very good way of looking at it, I guess. Um, David, what's your um, what's your take on um, on the risks of maintenance 4.0? Well, I, th- I think one of the things we've talked about
2: is that digital mindset, digital strategy. Um, a lot of businesses go and do something digital, whether that be maintenance, whether that be operating technology, they put a system in to solve a problem. And really, it's back to understanding what you wanna do as a business and building that digital strategy across all aspects of the business. So that you've built that whole architecture of, of, what data do you wanna collect for what, what systems are gonna manage which areas of information. And then you've built, looking at how you integrate those systems so the information flows across. A lot of the time as as, um, John's already saying that some systems don't communicate, that tends to be that they've been bought in isolation And without that overall strategy, you're not looking at how these systems are going to communicate, how you're going to collect your data, how are you going to secure it? And it's those sort of API links or links that or tenuous links that you're trying to get to push data from one system to another that create that risk. You're collecting the wrong data or you're not using the data. So you really need to sort of understand what you want to do, what you want to measure and how you're going to collect that information and make it usable data. Because a lot of the things we talk about, yes, cyber security, absolutely. It's your firewalls through through various your various systems. If you're looking at um, aerospace or military and other areas, you're looking at data segregation. So what data shows how a part's made and you've got to isolate. So it's how you sometimes anonymize some of the data so you can still use it. So there's you have to look at what you need as a business. But collecting the right data and making usable data, because if you're not, You've got to go in the right way, the right approach. If you're not getting the right information, using it correctly, you actually, one of the biggest risks is that it doesn't, you don't realise the benefits because you haven't implemented it correctly. And actually it starts to fail because then the leadership look at it and go, well, that was a waste of time. We're not really getting any value from it. So you really need to understand what you want to do, why you want to do it, what data you want to collect, how you're going to collect it, who needs to see it. And what you're going to do with it so that you 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 understand how to get the value from it
0: thank you for listening to talking industry this talking industry edition is sponsored by drives and controls exhibition the number one event for automation power transmission and motion control taking place 4th to the 6th of june 2024 at the nec birmingham in association with manufacturing and engineering week drive the future at www drives-expo.com Stay tuned across all podcast apps follow us on social subscribe to our newsletters and keep up to date at talkingindustry.com